And we're, we're told that the Lord told Moses, all right, uh, gather up all the people and tell them to just wait at the bottom of the mountain and to not come near the mountain, to not touch the mountain, right? And, and, but instead to just wait until, until I come down to them. And so God promised them that he would come down to them. But first he wanted to meet with Moses. And so Moses uh, uh, was called up to the mountain with the Lord, up to the mountaintop, along with his assistant Joshua. And so Moses has been up in the mountain for some 30-some days speaking to God. And, and, and as he's up there with the, with the Lord, God is giving him instructions for all these different things. For the building of the tabernacle, for the building of the utensils, for the, for the, the preparation of the incense. Uh, uh, we're, we're even told that, that he gave him instructions for the, for the garments of the priest. We're told that he gave him instructions for, for the, the priesthood of Aaron and his sons from the, tra- from the tribe of Levi. And then... Now we see there, here in chapter 31 that, the, that God is going to give Moses instructions now for uh, the building. But now he's going to kind of tell him to, 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 uh, to, to lay his hands on a couple men so that they could do the work. And so chapter 31 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all manner of workmanship. And, in, and I indeed, I have appointed him with him, uh, Aholiab, the son of uh, Ahismach of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. The tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, and the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand with all the utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the laver and its base, the garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons to minister as priests, and the anointing oil and sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. And so we see that as the Lord has been giving him all these instructions for the building of all these different things, <laughs> I could imagine Moses, he's getting all these instructions and he's saying, man, how am I going to make that? I've never made one of these things before. I've never made, I've never had to sew uh, some, some garments together. I've never had to, had to, had to form uh, woodworkings or silver or gold or bronze or all these different things. Right? And so he's just, re- he's just receiving instructions from the Lord. And so as he's been up there with the Lord up in the mountain, what God has given him is vision. God is giving him a plan and he's giving him vision to leading the people. Right? As he leads them there through the wilderness. Right now Moses doesn't know that it's going to end up being 40 years. But all he knows is that he has to lead the people through the wilderness into the promised land. And that once they're in the promised land, they have to uh, uh, worship God and just settle, settle, settle there. But we see that as Moses has been up in the mountain with the Lord, God has given him vision. Vision for leading his people. Vision for, for really for, uh, for, uh, for worship. Uh, vision for the priesthood. Vision for all these things, right, that concern God's people. And you could just imagine Moses probably thinking, man, how am I going to get all this stuff done? And all of a sudden the Lord tells him, see, look, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And he says, and I, I have filled him with the spirit of God. In wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design all these things. And then he said that he called another guy to come alongside of him. Uh, a, a guy by the name of Aholiab, the son of uh, Ahizmah. And so as Moses is receiving vision for the ministry, as Moses is receiving vision for the people, as Moses is receiving vision for leading the people, he's recognizing one thing, that he can't do it alone. right? And, and without God, before God even tells him, you know, Moses is realizing, man, how am I going to do all this? Right, two, three million, some people, and, and Moses has to come up with all these things, and so we see that that, that that God raised up men to come alongside of him to work out the vision. God gave Moses a vision; He gave Moses the instruction, but He called people to come alongside of Him to fulfill that vision. And and, and the truth is this: that He needed the help. Him as a leader, Him as, as in this position of leading God's people, He couldn't do it by Himself. Right, His task. His ministry, you could call it, was to receive vision from the Lord, to hear from God, to intercede for the people, right? to seek God for all these different manners that, that, uh, and all these different things that, that came up amongst the people. That was his duty. That was his ministry. But it wasn't his, his duty or his ministry to fulfill the vision. You know, it, God was going to call people to come alongside of him to fulfill that vision, to walk it out. God was going to empower people. And God said that he, that he filled uh, with the Spirit of God in wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and all manner of workmanship, these two men. Now, 
when it says that he filled them with the Spirit of God, it's, it's, it's not to be taken as, a, as indwelled like, like how we have, right? We have the blessing of being indwelled by the Holy Spirit 24-7, no matter how uh, uh, bad we mess up, no matter how knuckleheadish we could be throughout the day, hey, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us, right? I was, if you guys follow me on Instagram, I was <laughs> posting this fire, that this homeless thing came, I was like, man, and uh, I was talking to one of my coworkers, and it's like, man, these guys are setting fires like every other day, man, I get tired of, 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 of this because they block up the street where Chick-fil-A is at and I like to take my lunch and go to Chick-fil-A but they're always setting fires or, or doing little barricades and I have to go all the way around it cuts into my lunch time and when, when this whole fire was going on I was, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was in my head like murmuring, like, man, these guys don't get it. Man, the, the government, man, the city, man, these people, right, man, all these homeless people and I was praying for the, for the firefighters and the police and there was like this little inclination to play for to pray for the homeless guys and i didn't do it instead i was talking i was talking smack i'm like man these guys don't get it these guys are man, they're just setting fires they don't care whatever that's all i was looking at the water i was like man all, all that water i can use to be you know be watering my lawn now and instead we're in a drought and all the water is going to this fire that they started and it's like i wasn't being a good witness right and the, and, and and i was kind of striving against the holy spirit because the holy spirit put in my heart to pray for them as well to pray for the homeless people Right, to pray for those guys who are setting the fires, to pray for the ones that are just lost on the street. And I walked away and I kept on doing my work until probably when I was driving home at the Lord, as I was trying to pray for tonight. It's like I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get my thoughts straight. I couldn't, you know, <laughs> get my vision straight. And the Lord kept on bringing that up. I'm like, all right. And I, I prayed for him. And it's like, as I prayed for him, then it's like, all right, the Lord started kind of, you know, uh, giving me vision for tonight and ministering to me about tonight. But I love that the Lord didn't take away his spirit when I was being hard-headed. The Lord didn't take away his spirit from me when I was being, you know, knuckleheadish. I'm like, no way, Lord. I'm not going to pray for those guys. Hey, the Lord knew my heart. And we have this blessing of just the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that there's nothing we can do except for rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit in our life and rejecting the presence of God and rejecting the, the gift of Christ uh, uh, of salvation, that free gift of salvation. There's nothing else that we can do in order to to to, to to take away from this work that God is doing in our hearts by indwelling us with the Holy Spirit. I love that. I love that God doesn't say, oh, all right, you've been good today, so man, I'm gonna give you a measure of the Holy Spirit. Ah, oh, you've been messing up today, so you know what, I'm gonna take it away. No, God is just this gracious God that just fills us with this Holy Spirit. The, the very presence, the very Spirit of God dwelling inside of us is, it's even a, it's kind of like a contradiction to think that the Spirit of the omnipresent God dwells inside of us, right? But well, that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that, that now our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit of God, which are, which are in us. And so, uh, as we read here in verse 3, we're told that, that God filled these guys with this Holy Spirit. Now, God filled them temporarily. He empowered them temporarily to fulfill a specific task. But after that task was done, His Holy, His Holy Spirit was taken away. Right? Because they didn't have this blessing of being indwelled with the Holy Spirit like we do now. Right? Such a blessing. But we see that the Lord blessed these guys. He, he, he filled them with the, with the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit of God. Gave them understanding, gave them knowledge, gave them wisdom uh, as, as to how to you know, work with their hands. I love this. I love this. Right? And so, again, the Lord gave Moses the vision, but he called people to come alongside of him to fulfill that vision. And, and really when it comes to leadership, uh, this is an awesome lesson in leadership because the, the, the Lord will use you in leadership. He'll give you the vision. He'll cast you vision. Right? He'll, he'll let you hear from him. But yet, he'll also call people to come alongside of you to let you recognize that, hey man, you can't do all the work alone. You're not meant to do all the work alone, right? Uh, you can't, and in, in a sense, it's like you're stealing all the blessings. You don't let no one partake in the work. Because God has called other people. He has gifted other people in areas that maybe you're not gifted in. So they can come alongside of you, right? Moses didn't know how to do all these things. But, but, but God called other people who did know how to do these things to come alongside of him, right? And that's just a perfect uh, description of the body of Christ, right? One head, which is Christ, right? Uh, uh, there's, the, 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 there's the body of Christ, right? God is called leaders, pastors, uh, elders. And, and then us as a church, as the body of Christ, we come alongside of each other. Why? Because I don't have the same gift as, as you do. You don't have the same gift as me. I don't have the same sens sensitivity to the Spirit as you do. Uh, she doesn't have the same sens sensitivity to the Spirit as her. Uh, they don't have the same gifts and talents as, as them. It's like, man, God has just uh, uh, built His body up, right? Uh, in, in such a perfect way that, hey, man, we edify one another. We can, one person can't do all the work. And so the Lord raised up these two guys to come alongside of, of Moses and, and help him fulfill the work. And then he gives them this instruction now concerning the Sabbath law. And he says there in verse 12, he says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak also to the children of Israel, saying, Surely my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between who? Between me 
and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall not surely be put to shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done six days, but the seventh is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever, says the Lord. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now, as the Lord has given them now this law concerning the Sabbath, right? The Lord made it a mandate throughout the children, the nation of Israel that they were to take the Sabbath day rest, meaning the seventh day rest, which for them would be a Saturday, right? For us as believers, for us as, as Christians, there's no such thing as uh, this mandated Sabbath day rest. Right? The Bible tells us that the Lord is our Sabbath. And though it is wise to take a Sabbath day rest, usually for all of us it's on Sunday, right? Because our culture, we, we rest Sundays typically. Uh, and, and though it's wise and it's beneficial, and I believe that everybody should take that day to just rest, uh, cease from working and just seek the Lord. We see that, that, that this, that this uh, sabbatical rest, this, sabbatical, this, this uh, uh, mandating of the sabbatical rest isn't for us. It's not for Gentiles. It's not for the church. It's something that God says, like he says, it's a, a sign between who? Between me and you. God speaking to Moses. God speaking to the children of Israel. They don't always say, it's a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. Not between me and the church. Not between me and the Gentiles. Not between me and the New Testament believers. But it is something that is specific to the nation of Israel. And even more specific in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant. Right? And, and I have to make an emphasis on this because there's so many people, uh, Christians, who, who will put these trips, these heavy trips on other Christians because, hey man, you're not following the Sabbath day rest, right? You're not, yeah, Saturday is the day that you should rest, you're not supposed to do anything, you're supposed to even, some of us far as to say, you got to meet for church on Saturday, right? And, and really we see that, 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 the Sabbath, that the Sabbath day rest is not for the believers, not for the church, it's something that God uh, had established as a covenant between Him and the nation of Israel. Later on, there in the book of Colossians, Paul would, as, as he would uh, uh, speak to the, to, to the church that at Colossae, it was a church that was being plagued by all these legalistic, uh, uh, all these, these legalistic uh, leaders, right, and, and, and rulers. And they would, Christian leaders and rulers who would come into the church and say, all right, yeah, we're believers, yeah, we're under the new covenant, yeah, we're, we're under the blood, but we still have to sacrifice, we still have to keep the, 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 the Sabbath day rest, we still have to follow all these feast days. And, and they were putting these heavy trips on the church, they were putting these heavy trips on the believers and they were making it hard for them to come worship God because now they were kind of torn between the two. A lot of those guys were, were, were Gentiles who were in the church and, and they, a lot of those guys worked Saturday, Saturdays, right? They were uh, Greeks, they were Romans, they, they, they weren't Hebrews, they weren't Jewish. And so all of a sudden these, these Jewish believers come in and say, no, you have to keep the Sabbath day rest. All of a sudden they're forced to, to choose between their job and going to church. Right? Because we have to be under, under the Sabbath day rest. And Paul would come in there in, in Colossians chapter 2, I believe it's is, uh, verse 12. And he would say, hey, let no one put this heavy trip on you uh, concerning feast days or concerning special days or concerning, or concerning uh, the Sabbath. Right? And, 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 so, and so Paul would clear it up. He would say, look, uh, Christ is a perfection of the Sabbath. Right? And, and, and our rest for believers, hey, our rest is, is in the Lord. Right? And so... He goes on to say there in verse 18, And when he had made an end of speaking with him on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. And so, interesting how the Lord himself, you know, he made these, these, uh, these, these, these stones, right? And he wrote the whole law that he had just spoken to Moses, double-sided, and he gave them to Moses. It says that, that God himself wrote it, it that it was written with the finger of God. Again, this is now a, 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 a anthropomorphic language because God doesn't have fingers, God doesn't have hands, He doesn't have arms, He doesn't have a mouth, He doesn't have a nose, eyes that He could see like us, right? The Bible tells there in, in John chapter 4 that God is, what well, Jesus said, hey, God is spirit, and those who worship God will worship Him in spirit and in truth. For such is, is, is a Father looking uh, uh, for these, this type of worshipers, the Father is looking for those who worship Him in spirit and in truth, right? And so, this is uh, Moses describing uh, to the best of his ability with uh, his limited uh, understanding, his limited verbiage, that, hey man, God gave me these tablets of stone and God himself wrote it. Uh, he wrote on these stones himself. God covered it out with his finger. When Moses is saying, man, this came directly from God. 
No middleman. That's what he's saying when he says that it was written with the finger of God. It's not that God literally took his huge finger and went, right? Started right, carving it out. No. But it's that, that, that this came directly from the heart of God, right? Came directly from God. No middleman. There's no something that gets lost in translation, right? But this came directly from the Lord. And so it goes on to say now in chapter 32, it says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, he thought, we don't know what, what, what happened to him. We don't know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, All right, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your, of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. Notice how Aaron didn't even put up a fight. He's probably thinking the same thing. I don't know what happened to me. Yeah, you're right. He didn't say, no, no, guys, come on. Let's, 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 let's get real here. No, no, guys, come on. Let's wait. Uh, let's, let's wait just a couple more days. No, he said, all right. Well, you want a God? You, you want a God? Uh, just uh, give me all your earrings. Give me all your jewelry. Uh, he didn't even put up a fire. He says, and he told them, break off the golden earrings, which are in your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off their golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand. And he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. A molded calf. Then, they said, then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Notice that. Notice what it says there in that first verse of chapter 32. It says, what, what caused the people to look for something else to worship? What caused the people to build or to press Aaron to build them, to make them this golden calf for them to worship? It says, they're... They notice that Moses delayed from coming to them. Right? They notice that Moses delayed from coming to them. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, that 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 drove them to worship other things, to worship these false idols. And, and, and I say that to say this, because that's descriptive of a lot of Christians, right? Who have been here for a long time, maybe have been saved for way longer than me, for sure, and we're just saved for a long time. Who have been here since the seventies? Jesus coming back. Jesus coming back. And they think, hey, Jesus didn't come back, right? They devote their lives to the Lord, and all of a sudden, Jesus doesn't come back this year. Then he doesn't come back next year. Then five years later, ten years later, Jesus didn't come back. And they and and the people see that Jesus delays from coming down from heaven, right, for the rapture of the church. And what do they do? They say, hey, man, I gotta find something else to do. Jesus is delaying. He's not gonna come back any soon. And what happens is that they they they, they like, like Jesus said in that parable of the of the of the virgins, right? They they neglect to, to, to keep their lamps burning. They say, oh, you know what? He's delaying. He's not going to come back anytime soon. And they go off and they live a life of sin, a life for themselves, a life for uh, worldly pleasure, seeking and, and pursuing their own, the, the, the lust of their flesh, right? Seeking other things to worship, whether it's the toys, uh, right? The big cars, the big houses, the nice jobs, whatever it may be. But it, it, all, it all stems from this, from this thinking of, hey man, Jesus is delaying. Right? And, and we ought to be watchful in this thing. Why? Because Peter said that for the Lord, hey, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. And really, the, 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 the true test of love is waiting. Man, how long will you wait? Right? How long will, will, will you maintain fear until the Lord comes? The true test of love is really uh, this, this waiting. Right? Even when you, when you can't see anything, even when, when, when you don't see anything, even when you don't feel anything, all right, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust your promise. All right? Moses said, all right, I'll come back to you guys. And more than that, God is going to come down to you guys. They had that promise to, to fall on, to stand on. God had already uh, worked miracles and wonders amongst them there in the, in, in the nation of Egypt, right? As he brought the, about these ten plagues. God had already caused him to see his miraculous hand as he split the Red Sea and caused him to, dry, uh, to, to walk on dry land. And then, he, and then he caused them to see the Egyptians who, who burdened them for all those years uh, be drowned, right? God had caused them to see water just sprout out from a rock, streams in the desert. He, he caused them to see uh, a manna, right? This, 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 this spiritual bread come down from heaven. Say, like God had already done a lot for them to, to, to be able to trust His promises and not alone. And so God to Moses said, all right, Stay here, you guys camp out here for a little bit. I'm going to come back to you guys. And yet, it says, when they, the people saw that Moses delayed from coming down from the mountain, and they gathered together to Aaron now. They looked for the weakest link. All right, Aaron's in charge. Remember, when Moses left, he left Aaron in charge. 
And so they look to Moses, I mean, they look to Aaron, and they say, all right, Aaron's not as, as strong as Moses. So they, they came together to Aaron, and they said, all right, Aaron, come make us gods that, that, that shall go before us. For us is Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We do not know what has become of him. And really, sometimes, you know, uh, um, we kind of grow this mentality where we think, all right, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt. He brought us this far, but I don't think he could take us to the finish line. Yeah, he brought, he brought me up out of Egypt. He brought me up out of the world. Yeah, he washed me. Yeah, he cleansed me. Yeah, all these things. But I don't think he could bring me to that finish end. And it's like somewhere along the, 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 somewhere along the line, somewhere along the way, we think that, hey amen, like how Paul told the Galatians, hey, you started off in the spirit, what hindered you? Right? And you starting in the, in the spirit, are you going to finish in the flesh? But a lot of times we fall into that. Where we start off in the spirit, right? We recognize, man, Lord, you saved me. Lord, you washed me. Lord, you cleansed me. Lord, you gave me new life. Lord, you gave me all these spiritual gifts. Lord, you, you, you set my feet on solid ground. I'm walking with you. But it's like somewhere along the line, we, we, we get into our minds and our, and our thoughts and our heads and our hearts that, man, well, God did it, but I don't think he could finish it. And no, the Bible tells us that God is faithful to finish what he started. That good work that he started in us, Paul said God is faithful to finish it. But these people said, hey, look, the guy who brought us up out of Egypt, uh, he's gone. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what happened to him. Right? Is Moses the man who brought us up out of Egypt, out of the land of Egypt? We don't know what has become of him. And really, for us as believers, hey, the, the, the God who brought us up out of Egypt, the, the God who brought us up out of, uh, uh, out of the world, out from the world, he's faithful to finish the work that he started in us. And so they tell Aaron, all right, uh, make us gods. God, and Aaron says, all right, just give me all your jewelry, all, all your gold jewelry. And, and we're told that, that he received the gold from their hands and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and he made a molded calf. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And verse 5 says, so when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Now, in our Bibles here in English, you know, you might have Lord with uh, just a capital L. Uh, but, but, but really, when it says Lord, it, it's, it, uh, uh, Aaron is invoking the, the, the name of God. This is, he says, tomorrow is a feast to Yahweh. Right? Not just to the Lord, to Adonai, but to Yahweh, to, to our God. He says, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early, early on the next day, and they offered burnt offerings, not to the Lord, to this molded calf. And they brought peace offerings and made, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now, this this to play, you know, it's a, it's really a bad translation of the Hebrew. But really, when that that, that word play, uh, it, it, it describes and has this this this, this connotation behind it. Uh, it's describing uh, sexual pleasure, right? So they were involved in all kinds of you know perverse things as they worship this molded calf on the day that was supposed to be a feast. To the Lord, and really, what, what, what Aaron and the people are doing is that they're trying to to mix worship of the one true God of Yahweh with this golden with this golden calf. And then we, we know that the, that the two don't mix, right? We can't mix the worship of uh, of our worldly pleasures. We can't mix the worship of our own desires. We can't mix the worship of our our uh, our worldly pursuits with the worship of the one true God. We can't. The two don't mix. Paul said, hey man, what, is, uh, what does darkness have to do with light? Right? The two don't mix. But notice what Aaron is doing. He says, all right, he, take, he takes this molded calf and he tries to just bring it and kind of mesh it together with the worship of Yahweh. And now, really, it's, it's, a, it's a tragic story uh, when it comes to Aaron because as Moses is up there talking with the Lord, there in chapter 29, we're told that the, that the Lord is giving Moses instructions for who? For Aaron. For Aaron and his sons. And, and here's Aaron down at the bottom of the mountain, giving into the people's pressure, right? Giving into to, into the pressure of the people to make this molded calf and to worship this calf. All the while, God is planning, is 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 uh, writing down all the plans for Aaron up at the mountain. And it's like, man, if Aaron only would have knew all the plans and and, and purposes that God was was stirring up for him while Moses was up in the mountain, maybe he would have, maybe he wouldn't have been so so quick to give in. Right? But sometimes it happens where it's like, man, we're, we're walking with the Lord, we're persevering, we're going through trials, we're like, we feel like we're barely surviving, we're like, man, Lord, I feel like I'm getting rocked. Right? And, and it's like we feel the Lord saying, hey, just, just hold on a little longer, hold on a little longer. And we can't see 
that, 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 that God is preparing something at the end of this trial or God is preparing uh, for us something at, at the end of this season. It's like as we're getting rocked, we just can't take it anymore. Right? And yet all the while, here's God preparing things, uh, these wonderful things for us. God will tell Jeremiah, hey, before, uh, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, right? And I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. And, and really, you know, as we go through these trials, they're meant to refine us for the next season. As we're in this one season, we're getting rocked from left to right, right up and down. And it seems like from, from all ways around. Really, the, the Lord is designed to do this refining work while we're in this, in this season so he can use us in the next one. And so here's Aaron, down with the people. He caved into the pressure. All the while, God is preparing all these awesome plans for him at the mountain. And so it goes on to say there in verse 7, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, with an exclamation mark, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. <laughs> Notice how the Lord says, Hey man, now that you're people, Moses, for the Lord, this is the Lord said to Moses, go, go get down for your people whom you brought up by the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Notice that, that again, we see the, the omnipresence of God, right? As the people are down there thinking, all right, man, look, Moses has forsaken us. Uh, Moses, uh, Moses, God has forsaken us. Let's do our own thing. And all about him, man, God has seen, God is watching, right? He may not have been right there with them in presence, but, but, he, but he was watching, he was going on. It says, verse 8, they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. Yeah, it was quick. You remember, as, as Moses was, was, was getting ready to go up into the mountain, he says, uh, Moses gave the people instructions. He said, all right, thus says the Lord, you know, uh, wash yourself, this, sanctify yourself, all these things, and, and whatever the Lord says you're going to do. And the people said, all with one accord. Remember, they said, yeah, whatever God says, we'll do it. Right? They were quick to, to, to kind of commit to the Lord. But notice what the Lord says, that they have turned aside quickly. Just as quickly as they committed, just as quickly they turned aside. Because they had made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And I will make of you, Moses, a great nation. And Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your, your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and, and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Verse 13, remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants to whom you swore by your own self. And said to them, I will multiply your descendants at the stars of heaven. And all the land that I have spoken of, uh, I, will, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. In verse 14, so the Lord relented from the harm which he said that he would do to his people. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain. And the two t tablets of the testimony were in his hand. And the tablets uh, were written on both sides. And on one side and on the other side they were written. Now the tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And so as, as God is up there with Moses watching everything go down, he tells Moses, hey Moses, you better get down there quick because the people, man, they turned aside and they're doing some crazy things. They created this, this golden calf. They're worshiping it. They're sacrificing to it. Right? They're doing all kinds of uh, uh, crazy uh, uh, things around it. Right? And, and, and God tells Moses, right now, just leave me alone, go down there, go take care of the people, leave me alone so that my, my wrath may burn hot against them, and I'm going to consume them, and I'm going to get rid of them. And Moses, I'm going to promote you. Out of you, I'm going to make this great nation. Right? Really what the Lord was doing is that he was <laughs> testing Moses' heart. He was testing Moses' heart. And, and, and I love Moses' response. It says that he pleaded with the Lord. It doesn't say it doesn't mean that he's our Lord. Maybe that's not such a good no. It says that he pleaded, meaning he was on his knees begging, he says, Lord, Lord, why? He says, Lord, no, don't do that. He says, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you brought up by the land of Egypt? He says, Hey, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is your servants whom and remember that promise you made to them. Now it's not that Moses is changing the mind of God, right? Because no one can change the mind of God. But it's it's but the, the the way it's written here when it says that that God relented, right? Other translations, if you have another translation like the NIV or or, or or another translation, may say that that God repented, right? We know that God doesn't repent. The Bible tells us that God is is not a man that he should lie, or the Son of Man, right? That he should cease from 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 uh, fulfilling his promises. 
And so God can't lie because it's not in him to lie. God is not a liar. But he cannot lie. He will go against his very being, his very uh, deity, his very, I, would, I want to say, use the word nature, but it's, so I would say his very nature, right? But it's not, it's not a fitting word. But it will go against who God is. He can't lie, right? Because in him there is no falsehood. That's what the Bible says. There's this, you know, you guys ever hear that question? Uh, it's a stupid question. People say, oh, if God is so great, can you make a rock bigger than, so big that, he, that even he can't pick it up? And, and really, it's a self-defeating question because, you know, and, and someone saying that, hey, man, can God pick up this rock? They're assuming that God has hands and arms and legs like we do. So it's already self-defeating because God is not a person like us, right? He's not made up out of a body like us. He's a spirit. But also, uh, I mean, if you want to get theological about it, no, he can't. He can't. He can't make a, a, a rock so big that even he can't pick it up if you want to go that way. Why? Because God is almighty. And for him to, to make something like that, it will go against his very nature, who he is. Just like God can't lie. Just, just like God can't stop loving you. Just like God can't stop being merciful to you. Like Just like God can't stop being forgiving, patient, long-suffering. All these things to you. Why? Because it goes against who he is. That's, those are, that's the attributes of God. Right? And, and, and those attributes, God doesn't go against. That's just who He is. And so, uh, when it says that, that God relented or He repented from, from, from what He said, it doesn't mean that, that, he, that He changed His mind. But this is Moses writing to the best of His, his ability, trying to describe the acts of God. And really, how, are you to, how do you describe the undescribable? How do you describe the Almighty? How do you, how do you, do, how do you pen down on, 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 on paper you know, the thoughts of God and the actions of God? Really, you can. And so this is Moses just, again, try, trying to uh, uh, make amends for it and try to write it down to the best of his understanding. And so it says that Moses turned and he went down from the mountain and the two tablets were in his hands. The ones, uh, it says, now the tablets were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And verse 17 says, and when Joshua heard the noise of the people that they, as they shouted, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. But Moses said, it is not the noise... Of, of the shout of victory Nor the noise of the cry of defeat But the sound of, of singing That I hear So the people are down there rejoicing Worshipping this molded calf this, this golden calf This false god This false idol saying This is the guy who brought us up out of Egypt This is the god that brought us up out of Egypt They're singing with joy Man, So sad now Verse 19 says So it was as soon as he came near the camp And he saw the calf and the dancing so Moses, Moses' anger became hot and he cast the tablets out of his hands and he broke them at the foot of the mountain. And so Moses was the first guy to break all the Ten Commandments. Cheap joke. Then he took the calf which they had made, he burned it in fire and, and he, he grounded it to powder and he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. That's hardcore. That's hardcore. It's like Moses saying, all right, man, you guys, wanna, you guys love this thing so much. You, want, you guys want to give yourselves so much to this. You know what, he says, you, you, you want to worship this thing? He's all right. He says, why don't, why, don't you, why don't you eat it? Why don't you take it in? And so we're told that Moses, he was so angry that he broke the tablets that were in his hand. He took the calf. He burned it in fire. He grounded it to powder. He scattered it on the water. And he says, all right, now you drink it. Right? He says, you, you, he says, you want to worship this false idol? It's all right. You're going you, you, you're gonna to drink of it right, until you're full. You're going to drink of, it, of, of, this, of this idolatry. You're going to partake of this idolatry, of the idolatry. You're going to drink of this idolatry until you're full. So he made him drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? And, and, and really, this, is, this should be a hardship for anybody in a position of leadership. Right? Moses tells Aaron, Hey, I left you in charge. What did these people do to you that, 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 that you brought such a great sin upon them? And notice what Aaron says in verse 22. Aaron said, Do not let your anger, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. And I said to them, Whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and poof, this calf came out. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him 
And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from his entrance, from entrance to entrance throughout the camp and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. And Moses said, Consecrate yourself today to the Lord that he may bestow on you a blessing this day for every man has opposed his son and his brother. And so as Moses comes down, notice that, that Moses didn't go to the people. What did you guys do? But he goes to the leadership, to the guy who we left in charge. He tells Aaron, Aaron, what did you do? What did these people do to you that, 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 that you would just give them over to this sin? Right? Of course, Aaron blamed the people. He says, Moses, you know these people, their, their hearts set on evil. You know them. Right? They, they insisted that I make them a, a golden calf that they would worship. And so Aaron tries to pass a buck. But notice that that, that, that that really he was the one accountable for the people's actions. Yeah, the hearts of the people were set on evil. But that doesn't mean that Aaron was to encourage him in that evil. No, his job, his task, his ministry, you could call it, should have been to sway the people's evil hearts unto the Lord. Right? And, and sometimes we can use that as an excuse. And I don't want to get too deep into stories and stuff. I think you guys know I have a bunch of stories. But sometimes, you know, there's people who, who abuse their position of leadership, their, their, their position of power, and they think, ah, oh, well, that guy's already involved in this anyway, or that girl's already involved in this anyway, so why not just, what's, what's a little more going to add to it, right? What's a little more of me just, all right, they're, they're already in it anyway. And, and really, that's what, that's what everyone's saying. It's like, hey, Moses, you know, their, their heart's bent on evil. Lord, uh, their hearts, yeah, they, they, they love Egypt too much. They love idolatry, idolatry too much. So what's, what's a little calf worship going to do? But notice that, that Aaron was holding him accountable. And, and, and the Lord holds the leadership accountable. Right? God's going to hold me accountable. Right? If somebody goes this way here, this, uh, not that I could have done anything to, to, to prevent it, but God's going to hold me accountable in the sense of, in the, in the sense of, hey, when they came to you with this issue, did you lead them to me? Right? When you saw them strained in their ways, did you encourage them in the Lord? Did you encourage them in the Word? Right? When, when, when you saw this going on, did you address the issue? Right? And so, and so just again, this accountability, right? And the Lord holds the leadership accountable. And so Moses tells the people, he's all right. He says, let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. And really what, 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 what Moses was encouraging to do or what he was instructing him to do is to cut off. It means it's harsh. Yeah, it's, a, it's a harsh thing. It's a, it's a pretty severe thing. But really Moses was instructing them to cut off any ungodly influence, any influence that was going to sway them back to the world that was going to sway them back to Egypt, that was going to sway them back to worshiping this false, this, this false idol, this calf. And, and, and for us too, as believers, right? Maybe we don't have to go to this extent as to kill somebody. What? Hey, man, stop talking about this. Boom, you're dead. No, but 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 us as believers too. I mean, we have to to cut off um, sometimes people, right? We have to sometimes cut off people who who hinder our walks with the Lord or who sway us in another direction. Doesn't mean we're going to kill them. Doesn't mean we're not, hey man, you know what, cuss them out or whatever, but you know, sometimes we have to break those ties. I mean, if, if, if it's a person or if it's a relationship or friendship that's hindering your walk with the Lord, that's, that's instead of, of encouraging you in it, uh, uh, adding burden to, you, to it and hindering your walk with the Lord, you're to cut it off, right? And the, the Bible is perfectly fine with you cutting off his influence, his friendship. You may think, oh man, well, if, you know, if I cut him off, and then, then, you know, then how am I supposed to win him to the Lord? But again, if, if you're not prospering in your, in your relationship with the Lord, if you're not growing and thriving in your relationship with the Lord, if you're not being refreshed because of this relationship, this friendship, then you can't do anything for that person. Right? If you yourself are being dragged down. And so sometimes you know, the Lord will call us to just to cut off these relationships or to cut off these, these toxic uh, influences in our life. Right? And, and hey, don't worry about it. God's going to get a hold of them somehow. You don't worry about that. And so he told them, all right, cut these people off, literally. And so verse 30 says, Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. So now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sins. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, All these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. <laughs> Interesting that the Lord knew that already, right? Says, Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. That's the heart of a shepherd. Right? 
maybe Moses didn't understand what God was doing those 40 years that he was uh, in, in Midian, tending to the sheep, tending the flock of Jethro, out in the wilderness, being a nobody. But we see that, that those were preparation years. God was, God was cultivating this heart of a shepherd in Moses for this season. And now we see that Moses' heart is completely different to what it was 40 years ago. And even, uh, and even 80 years ago when he was in, in Egypt, Moses' heart is completely different. God has cultivated in Moses the heart of a shepherd, the heart for the people. And so Moses says, Lord, forgive their sins, but if not, then I pray that you will blot me out of your book, which you have written me. Meaning, man, Lord, let me take their place. Paul had the same heart. Paul, uh, uh, Paul, I believe in the book of Romans, he would write, and he would say, man, he says, I, he says, I wish that I would be cast off just so they could be saved. And we, we see really that, that just like uh, God's response to Moses, you know, God's response was, was, to, was to Paul as well. He says, verse 33, And the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now therefore go, lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. Right? And so the Lord deals with us as individuals. Uh, you don't have to carry the sins of your family members. You don't have to carry the sins or the burdens of, of your kids or your, or your nephews or nieces or your cousins or whatever. Right? Your parents. Right? It's not this generational thing. Hey man, all of us are going to be held accountable to the Lord for our own actions, for our own sins. He says, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. He says, but as for you, he say, lead the people to the place which I have spoken to you. Right? So God is saying, all right, Moses, I'm going to take care of you one-on-one. As for you, you just, you just don't worry. You, you just do what I've called you to do. Right? And so we're told there in verse 30, 35, it says, So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. And chapter 33 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. He says, Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this, this bad news, it says that they mourned, and no one put on his ornament. Verse 5, For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I could... It says, I could come up in your midst in one moment and consume you. Now therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. So remember that, again, before Moses went to the mountain, God told them, right, I'm going to come down and I'm going to be in your midst. Prepare to see the Lord, Moses told them. Everyone, consecrate yourself so you can see the glory of God. Now God says, you know what, I can't go down there much in your midst because you guys are just, you're, you're, you're sinful. Your hearts are wicked. Right? Your hearts are bent, your 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 stiff neck, your hearts are bent, are bent on destruction, your hearts are bent on sin. I can't go down there. And really we see that. You can take it two ways. As God saying, man, God's so messed up, right? He could have just have gone down there. Or really, man, God is so merciful that <laughs> he could have gone down there and they would have been consumed, not because of God, but because of their sinfulness. And so God says, you know what? I have to protect you guys from my glory. I have to protect you guys from my, my purity. If I go down there, he says, you're going to be consumed because your hearts are just bent on sin, you're stiff-necked. And so really, I, I see this as God just extending mercy. Even in their sin, God is saying, man, I could go down there, you'd all be consumed because your hearts are so messed up. So instead, look, I'm going to send my angel to go before you. Okay? Again, this act of mercy on behalf of the Lord. And he says in verse 7, Now Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. And called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. And so it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, he did not depart from the tabernacle. And so we see as, as again as all this is going down. 
we're told that Moses took his tent and he set it up outside the camp, like far outside the camp. Okay? And that's where he met God. And, and, and I like this. I like that it says it. Right? Because it, it, it's, a, it's a picture to us. It's kind of like a, it, it's for us, right? And it shows us that sometimes, hey man, we gotta get away from, from all the noise. We gotta get away from, hey man, just everyone around us, right? And it's good to, to get along with the Lord. It's good to, you know, how, how Ryan would say, you gotta kill the noise. Turn off the phones, turn off the TV, turn off just all the, any of the, of the influence. Kill the noise and just get along with the Lord. For Moses, he had to get out of the camp, far away from the camp. Set up, set up his, his tent and just meet with God. And sometimes that's, that's what it takes. And really, uh, I, I believe that, that, that we don't do this often enough. That's what I'll speak for myself. I don't do this often enough. But the Lord says, hey, the Lord says, just, just get along. Right? Apart from the business of work, from the, your, uh, uh, your spouse, the kids, whatever. To say, just get along. Far away if you have to and just and just say hey, just meet with me. Right? And says that, that it was when he got away from the business of man, all the people. And he pitched his tent far away. That says then the Lord talked with him. Just face to face, right? As a man speaks to his friend. This is beautiful. I could just imagine Moses there with the Lord in the tent and they're talking like this. Right? Yeah, we, we get to church and hey, me and Mark are talking outside for uh, minutes and they're like, oh sorry, let's go. And, we, and it's like now all of us we, we have this little this little fellowship right and we're just we're talking as friends and that's how God talked to Moses as a friend meaning hey man there's no, nothing in between no barriers nothing separate no, no walls of separation you talk to him as a friend I want to say that that, that God talked to Moses face to face it's not that that God literally uh, showed Moses his face right because the Bible says even Jesus said hey, you can't see my, my, my face and, and, and live right because he's holy but really when it, when it says that he talked to him face to face it means that he talked, that they that they spoke on on, on on common terms. It's like can. It's like they were talking face to face. That it talked about that intimacy and the relationship, right? That friendship that they had. And so as this was going on, the people were just kind of watching from a distance and saying, Man, there goes Moses again talking to God, look, I can see the pillar of cloud. And everyone they couldn't they couldn't go near. Right? Because they knew their hearts were evil. They knew that their hearts were, were, were wicked. And so they would just watch from a distance. And really when it comes to, to our walks with the Lord right, God has saved us He sanctified us But There's measures Of depthness That we can get to In our relationship with God It's like sometimes we see someone walking with the Lord And you're like man you admire the relationship Because you, you can just sense how close they are to God And you're like man I want that How come I can't have that and sometimes we feel like these people who are just, we watch someone's relationship with the Lord just thrive and we're kind of just at the tender just watching like, man, that's so cool. I wish I could have that. Right? But, and, and, and really, I believe it was A.W. Tozer who says uh, that God will give as much to you as you're willing to take. And I mean, that's true for all of us. Right? That any one of these people could have repented before the Lord, kind of go sacrifice, say, Lord, forgive me. And they could have had that fellowship with the Lord as well. But they didn't. Instead, they just watched someone else's relationship with the Lord thrive on the sidelines. And I don't want to be that Christian. I don't want to be that believer that just admires someone else's walk. Right? I want to use it as kind of like, man, I could be like that. But more than that, man, I could be even closer to God than that person. Right? It's good to have these examples. I have godly influences in my life that I, 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 guys that I admire. I think, man, that person just hears from God all the time. That's awesome. But my goal is not to be like them. My goal is to have my own deep relationship with God and, and, and me here from God, you know, on that direct line. And so some guys just watch from the sidelines and other people, man, they dig into the presence of God. They dig into that intimacy, that their relationship with God. What kind of person are you going to be? Are you going to watch from the sidelines that someone else is just, man, thriving in their relationship with, with the Lord? Or are you going to say, you know what, man? I'm going to just take this by force. I'm going to dive in as deep as I can and I'm going to get as much as, of God as I possibly can while I'm still here. And notice what it says about Joshua. Again, Joshua was with Moses as Moses was up in the, in the mountain meeting with God. Right? Joshua was, was, was his assistant. Uh, he saw this go down. Right? He took the people into battle against the Malachites. And, and, and while all this was going on with the people, it could look like a failure. You could say, man, all these people are, are stiff-necked. Right? Everyone's rebellious. No one's, no one's seeking God. But yet, all the while in a group of about, of about 3 million people, God was working in the heart of one man. A young man by the name of Joshua. And so it seems like, like it was all bad, right? But God was, was working. 
And for us too, in our church and, and really in our communities and, and, and in our lives, okay, when it looks like it's all bad and man, nothing's going on, no one's seeking the Lord, man, it seems like it's just, this generation just, it's all bad. Really what God is designed to do is to grab and to, and to, and to, and to overtake the heart of, of, of one person, right? And set him on fire for God. I believe it was Dio Moody who heard from someone else Heard from someone else say, the world has yet to see what God can do with a heart who is fully submitted to Him. And it was Dio Moody who said, I'm going to be that guy. I'm going to be that guy whose heart is fully submitted to God. And look how much <laughs> the Lord did through Dio Moody. Amazing. Right? And so here's Joshua. Amongst a whole nation of people who are stiff-necked, uh, idol-worshipping, uh, hard-hearted, uh, hearts in Egypt. Amen. There was a young man. Uh, a man by the name of Joshua, the son of Nun, who did not depart from the tabernacle. Even Moses had to go back to the people. Joshua said, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay here. I'm, I'm going to stay in the presence of God. I want more of God. Awesome, awesome example. Father, I'm going to thank you for your word, Lord. I'm going to thank you for just these awesome examples that we have in the Bible, Lord. And I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight, Lord. And I want to pray, Lord, for just a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And Lord, I know I said this at the beginning of the study, Lord, that you would baptize us with the Holy Spirit, Lord, but at this time I really mean it, Lord. I pray that you would just baptize us with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would fall upon us afresh, Lord, that you would give us that sensitivity to your, to your voice, to your, to your speaking, Lord, to your Holy Spirit, to your leading, to your guiding, Lord. Make us men and women, Lord, who, who, who want your presence, Lord, who want uh, just a deeper intimacy with you, Lord. Make us men and women who are not going to settle for mediocre Christianity, who are not going to settle for mediocre uh, uh, relationships, with you, Father. Make us men and women, Lord, who, who desire more of your presence, Lord, more of your spirit, Lord, more of your knowledge and wisdom, Lord, more of your, 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 your understanding of the word. Baptize us, Lord, with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Draw us near, Lord. Captivate our hearts, Father God. Woo us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.